Hey guys, welcome back to the Nutrition Expedition. Before today's episode, we just wanted to say, we're not qualified specialists. If you have any issues, see a healthcare professional. The daily posts, including recipes, exercises, nutrition facts, and calorie comparisons, follow us on Instagram at The Nutrition Expedition. Peace. Hi, and welcome back uh, to the podcast, guys. Um, today, we welcome clinical nutritionist and eating disorder advocate, uh, Lexi Crouch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, thanks for so much for having me, guys. It's, yeah, great to be here. So to start off, usually we ask people how they got into health and nutrition, but based on today's episode and what we want to talk about, we just want to ask, how did you, uh, how did your story begin in regards to your health and your issues that prolonged in, in regards to that yeah so actually it's a great start um and it goes from i guess my own lived experience um having an eating disorder that i got at quite a young age so uh seven years old i started experiencing issues with food weight and shape that really took me on that diet track and i guess we're talking about it really taking um i guess a look at what health was so this was in a time i'm 32 years old now but back when i was seven years old um, we didn't know health as it is today you know you can only jump online now when we've got wellness um it's a topic that we talk about but back then all we knew was weight watchers or jenny craig and that was what we knew about health so we had these icons that um we thought that we were following um, models because we hadn't really i guess had to go in depth of looking what health was. So I started my path there and um, full-fledged full, full myself into an eating disorder. So I was working a lot with um, conventional medicine um, during this time. So I had a lot of hospitalizations and um, really took my health to a really low level um, and started recovery when I was 25 years old. So again, that very long journey um, looking at health from when I was seven. but what wasn't working for me i guess was more of mainstream methods everything has its place and it kept me alive but it really took me to look at my health at a deeper level um i've always been a person that asks why um probably a nightmare if you take me on a car trip where we're going Mm. but it was that kind of um aspect of i didn't just want to feel better when i got back from um when I recovered from an eating disorder, I wanted to feel optimal. So after feeling horrible for so long, um, it caused me to really get into health and take a look there. So started my studies into clinical nutrition. Um, yoga worked as a really fundamental tool as well. And um, basically um, that really put me on my path as to where I am today. Yeah, and, and just to link on from your, your story, that's thank you so much for sharing it. Um, I was going to actually originally ask, how did you find out and make the decision to see a, a, a professional about the problem? But clearly you were so young when you had that, that issue. So how did, your, how did your family sort of make the decision to, to you know, go see a professional about this? And what was sort of the breaking point that, that made that happen? Yeah, Medio, it was a long sort of journey because back then, as I said, um, it happened at quite a young age. Eating disorders were very taboo. I didn't know anyone who had an eating disorder. And in all honesty, I didn't know I was in the grips of an eating disorder um, at the time. For me, that was life as I knew it. 
And um, with eating disorders, they can be very fully functioning. So I managed to still live um, live life as it was. And um, as a very happy kid, um, I always had a smile on my face and would still go along with my activities. However, I was in the midst of an eating disorder. So it was kind of um, in that midst from seven and it was around 14 years old that things started to get really noticeable at school and um, the school counsellor jumped in and spoke to my parents. And again, it was just a very um, touchy subject because I was still performing quite well, um, but things became noticeable with my weight and I guess behaviours that I was displaying with the eating disorder. And um, this was back at a time that where the treatment we have for eating disorders today was not what we had back then. So... We thought the best thing, and this sounds very logical, was removing myself from the environment that I was in and putting me somewhere new. Mm. And this is where we got to learn a lot about eating disorders because, again, even when you're struggling with an eating disorder, you're learning about the illness as well because eating disorders aren't essentially something that you choose. So I went to boarding school and um, really slid under the radar there. So I was doing quite well. I was really into my studies, so I was school prefect and really into my sports and I guess going along that way. But by the time I was 17, um, I was medically very unwell and um, school had to intervene and I started my medical admissions there for anorexia. Wow. And I just wanted to ask, I found it because obviously seven's a really young age and it's really, um, it's unfortunate that people that young can get eating disorders. And I just wanted to ask, what do you think were the factors in regards to you actually getting that eating disorder at such a young age? Yeah, Lockie, and this is really interesting because eating disorders are so complex. It's, you know, if you kind of sit down and piece together, how did this person get an eating disorder? There'll be um, a lot of different contributing factors. I know for me, when I was seven years old, I did experience, experience bullying on the playground. Um, so for me, I remember the day, seven years old, I was sitting down and I was no different as a normal seven-year-old. You know, you kind of have that real puppy backstage. Um, but someone came up to me and asked me if my best friend was Jenny Craig. I evidently didn't know who Jenny Craig was at that time. And I went home and asked my mum, and I'll never forget the look on her face to know that her child has just received bullying about her weight. And as a parent, you initially want to jump and protect your child and um it's kind of I sit back and um, reflect on that to go why is it that I took the comment that way for somebody that might have been um you know taken with a grain of salt and somebody went on but I'd always been a very deep internal person that essentially that one comment really uh skyrocketed into a full-fledged eating disorder so I think that was very much um the trigger that pulled the gun but it also you know it does reflect on how we treat people as humans and the effect that we can have on lives in that regard. Yeah, and it's it's incredible that up to this day you still remember that that one quote, and you know you're so young at that point, and it's a lot of people that probably suffer suffer from eating disorders have had a, a various amount of um, terms thrown at them, and they don't even know that have um, contributed to that being their uh, life eventually. Um, but just to move on to, and Lockie mentioned like um, the factors. Uh, Within, you know, living with an eating disorder, I'm just wondering how it affected your life at home, um, the relationship that you had with your parents, and if you have any siblings, how it sort of affected their um, everyday operations as well. Absolutely, Medio. So I always say it's not the individual that has the eating disorder, 
it is the whole family. Yeah. And I know in society, we can sometimes see this view of what eating disorders are like, but behind closed doors, they are terrible. I know it really to the T affected my family. Um, my mum had to take a lot of time off work and um, because it was a very long journey, there was a point where I had a full-time carer because my family needed a break as well. It was a 24 hour job when the eating disorder would strike up. So mm. if there was meal support in the family, um, might be a day that we were eating breakfast, but breakfast might go from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. So goes to impact that whole uh, family dynamic. And I had um, younger brothers at the time as well. And um, they weren't affected, but they could see the myths. Um, I was very unwell for a long time. So a lot of the time I'd spend um, a bit of time in hospital and then I would come back and spend some time at home. But the eating disorder had so many rituals and so many rules that um, basically would start to control the family in some regards as well. So we couldn't keep certain foods in the house. And um, my brothers really kind of got this whole different view, I guess, um, an impact on their life um, when the eating disorder overtook. So everybody had to be really careful. And uh, myself as well, it was very scary because you don't know how the eating disorder was going to go. Um, but what I can say was from the full support of my family and just being there, they never gave up hope. And it was... It was a full-time job for all of them, but through that support, we have the best dynamic now. Um, I can say the girl I am today, so completely different um, in many ways um, from being in the grips of the eating disorder, but the relationship we have from just sticking it out. And we had torturous times as a family, but it does eventually bring you closer um, when they actually see the person beyond the eating disorder. Yeah, yeah it's been a big journey there. I can't imagine. And it would bring you so much closer because you've gone through this massive journey and they've been they've stuck by your side through thick and thin. So it only makes you closer. So it sounds like you have such an amazing family. Oh, 100%. I can still say at like 32 years old, my mom is my best friend. It gets still probably five to seven phone calls a day about, you know, something that I'm sure they're not interested in, but, <laughs> you know, that's just a bond that you have for life. So I couldn't be more grateful. That's so good. And touching on that topic as well, you mentioned that you're at boarding school. And I just want to ask, do you think that positively or negatively impacted your eating disorder in regards to being away from your family? It was, I honestly had the best experience at boarding school in regards beyond the eating disorder. Um, essentially, you're there with your mates. Um, you know, you've got your sisters for life there. However, you could really slide under the radar. I guess I came from more um, of a helping background. So there were definitely techniques that the eating disorder would step in. Um, we would all eat in a big communal hall um, and the eating disorder would try to serve other people food or you would engage in conversations and anything to deter or distract from the eating um, to get out of it, you kind of really slid under the radar. I think there were probably about 300 other girls that were there. So you can kind of get lost in the crowd. And when you are functioning at that high level, people don't really know how to step in and ask. Whereas um, perhaps maybe if you're at home, it would have been a little bit more noticed um, as to whether you were eating breakfast or not. But eating disorders, when you're in the midst, they definitely have their tricks that they can kind of get away with anything. But boarding school, my experience um, with friends and everything was lovely. And that was another thing with eating disorders is you can still have that life. Although you're fighting this battle on the inside, um, you can still, I guess, get on that way. But um, the whole eating aspect was, you know, it was also scary for me to know how far it could actually push it. 
And I think that's again with eating disorders as well, because they are very challenging. They would kind of keep pushing the boundaries as well. So boarding school just made it quite easy to slip under the radar there. And another thing I want to ask in regards to high school is your performance. You said you did quite well, but do you think that not getting enough nutrition like impacted your ability to be able to study, be able to focus in class and that sort of stuff? Definitely, Lockie, and that really hit um, going beyond um, to university. So it really flared up in my senior year. Um, I was actually put into hospital. We have in Queensland um, our QCS. So that's um, much like your final exams that you have down there. That was the day that I landed in hospital because um, stress was my trigger for the eating disorder. So I'd spend a lot of time studying, um, believing, I guess I was very much in that black and black and white thinking frame of mind back then that I had to do well at school um, to live a life um, beyond there and do well at my um, QCS. So that kind of impacted there, but it was kind of starting the hospital admissions where I guess um, the body started um, frailing and getting worse for nutrition going beyond um, into university that that's where all my focus went out the window and um, was a really scary place to be in because I had performed quite well at school, but finally that lack of nutrition was catching up and my cognition was declining. Um, I started struggling very badly with anxiety as a result, as we know, um, nutrition um, works very much with mental health in that regards as balancing out hormones. And I just felt like like I lost the person who I was. Um, and I remember being in university, turning up and just seeing everybody being able to focus. And it was such a scary place to go. That used to be me. And I couldn't do this to, I guess, um, j- just to save my soul, even at the time. So that was a huge impact. And that's when you know that the eating disorder has taken over your life, when you can't be doing the things that you originally wanted to be doing. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's just terrible to hear. But that's, you know, I mean, unfortunately, that's, that's part of the life of people that have to live with that. It's, it's very common and it's a, quite a common sort of factor between all people and, and a lot of mental health issues as well. It's very similar. It sort of takes over your life and then um, before you know it, everything revolves around the, the, the mental health issue rather than your life um, being the priority. But just to move on, when I asked that question about um, living at home and how it affected other people, you also mentioned the keyword rules. Um, I just wanted to ask, if you're if you're comfortable sharing, what were some what were some of the obsessions that you had and some of the um, the rules you had whilst you were suffering through anorexia? What were some of the rules that you had for yourself whilst eating and what to avoid? Uh, I only have a little smile on my face now because you've just um, made me like realize to be how free spirited I am from those rules and going back to that place, everything was a rule. You could not step out of bed. It was a 24 hour job of just obeying rules. So this was around how much exercise you would do um, from the moment you stepped out of bed to weighing yourself and everything would depend on your rules. And um, this was very much, I felt that if I got through those, it made me feel like I was safe. I'd gotten through the day and I was still achieving um, with eating disorders because they are very driven. You feel like you need to be reaching something at all times. So it would start with exercise rules. It would start with um, measurements. So everything was in numbers of how much you ate and then eating in particular orders. And um, I really, 
I was diagnosed with um, OCD, so obsessive compulsive disorder in the midst of it, which particularly takes over when you were starved. So also when you are re-nourished again, um, those symptoms will start to disappear. But when you're heightened, it is that particular order and control. And that would just go on to timing of things. So if I wasn't eating breakfast um, to the time that the eating disorder told me, if it was a minute too late, that would just ruin the day. Um, so it was kind of really having to obey to those um, and just all measurements. It was absolute data I was following at that time. And if you didn't follow the rules, the voice would flare up and it was that negative talk, that self-hate that would come in and you would just bring yourself down, your own self-worth. So a lot of it had to do with eating rituals um, through exercise and just how you really got through the day there. Yeah, and we have, I've done a post on our Instagram in the past talking about exercise and it shouldn't be guilt and it shouldn't be around what you've ate previously. Rather, you should find something that you enjoy and it should be considered like enjoyable because people yep. just guilt trip themselves into exercise and that's when you get that negative relationship with food and exercise together and it makes you think negatively about exercise. So. It's really interesting you said that. And another thing I just wanted to ask is, what sort of foods were you eating during that time? It was very, I guess, um, I was a calorie counter at that time. So it was anything, I guess, of that value that it wasn't the way I look at nutrition now and, and even exercise. I always have a big smile because I yeah, am pleased that um, I can actually say a full recovery is possible. And, you know, this does go out the window and it can just become a memory that you bring up. But it was, um, I eat very, you know, dense food now and I can go with a very intuitive feeling. But back then it was all measurements as to, I guess, something that was, you know, going to be used up. So it was fruits or um, little things like that, that I guess weren't going to make you feel heavy in that regards. So I know for me that eating disorder was very much a feeling. So if I felt um, that I was eating something dense in that regards, that I would feel that I was heavy or something was happening there. So it was kind of anything that could just get me through and um, I guess keep that kind of feeling of lightness that the eating disorder was after in that regards. But it was a very much um, follow a Bible, I guess. Back in the day then, it was um, the calorie king and, you know, you would just count everything and you would document and um, where I was, you'd still get really upset by fluid intake and um, it just honestly was so torturous with what you could eat and what you couldn't and um, recovery has just brought a whole life of just exploring different things and different food sensations and getting to that really enjoyable place with nutrition. I've always found that um, I feel like all food has its place. And it's always um, that impact of how you're thinking mentally that um, has a negative impact on it. So it's nice to have that place of freedom, whereas for years it was just little and small amounts to, I guess, please others as well. It wasn't just for you. There were a lot of, um, I guess, there's a lot of negotiating with eating disorders as to things that you want to do. So it was trying to please others that sometimes you would eat and it would be the bare minimum. And also would go a lot with textures as well. So there were yogurts because you would lose the whole um, chewing sensation because as we know with nutrition and food, it, it's an experience. It's not just kind of eating something. There's a lot of different thought that would go in. So yeah, it was very boring, plain eating. And um, now I just feel so lucky that I can actually go with a feeling and eat intuitively. So that's the best thing you could ever ask for in recovery. That's amazing. And also I just want to ask, firstly, when did you actually start calorie counting, do you think? And like from memory and also, 
were you trying to maintain a calorie deficit? Is that what you're trying to do throughout the eating disorder? Yeah, a hundred percent, Lucky. And um, I was really, um, I was really embedded with numbers when I was quite young. So even seven, I knew that I would follow um, more of a Weight Watchers model as well, and I would count out my points there, and really used to just live by data. And it's quite funny. Um, again, the journey I've been on, I'm so, I guess that structured free spirit, but back then everything was data. So it would depend on um, the number that I saw in the morning on the scale. It would depend on the calorie intake that um, I would try to add up to as well through there. So that would kind of get to a point um, that you had a set that you would reach every day. But because eating disorders are looking for the challenge, you would always push the boundaries. And I come back to that because with eating disorders, I never think you're ineffective. It's, you've got to drive. It's just going to something that is not working for you. So when you make recovery, you've still got that drive and it's going to work for you. So with the calorie counting, you would always try to decrease it because I guess there was a way that it wasn't challenging enough. And that's how they can get really scary and really out of control. Because if you were sitting there at the same level of life and still feeling comfortable, eating disorders don't want you to feel comfortable. So you would try to drop your calorie intake and next thing you know you're full blown in the grips of not eating much at all because the eating disorder has got you to that point so complete data and um following that so it was a really young age that i got into that and um basically that was just my challenge that i guess i would adhere to every day through the eating disorder well yeah and um just to move on to more of a broad topic on uh, how mental health um, is sort of disregarded in, in society or not disregarded, but sort of, I mean, it's very, and me personally, I can see that it's very tough for people that don't have any um, mental struggles uh, to understand. It's quite hard to put yourself into their shoes, but in a, as a whole, do you believe there's a lack of uh, knowledge and awareness of eating disorders and mental health uh, issues as a whole? And if, if you believe that, what, what could people do to try to try to raise that awareness, even if they don't struggle themselves from that, that mental health, um, the mental health issues. A hundred percent. Although I would love to just credit that in the last couple of years, we are making leaps and bounds yeah. in this field. And for me, it's always stripping it back down and coming back to someone as a human. So I believe we're all individuals like, yes, we have a whole umbrella of mental health and we've got conditions but everybody's experiences are different and everyone, I guess the illness to everyone is very different as well. So even for people that haven't experienced something, I know what really worked for me was not so much of um, even talking about the eating disorder or kind of categorizing or feeling how are we gonna get on top of this? I had some phenomenal nurses and therapists in my time where they would sit down and ask me about me. And that was really confusing because I didn't know who I was. I was an eating disorder and it was an absolute shock when someone would go, Lexi, what do you like doing? I would sit there and that was the hardest question to ask. You know, you could put a maths test in front of me. I probably found that easier, but for someone to address me as a person, I didn't know. So it was those small baby steps that really got, to, got me to recover. Um, because there is a lot of that stigma with mental health that um, I guess it is unknown and you kind of are meant to fit into this criteria, but you go undetected as a person. So anyone that doesn't have an issue or is wanting to help, 
I'd um, and wanted to start, it would really be sitting down and getting to know the person, perhaps not even talking about the issue at all. That um, I guess I felt very ineffective. So my whole life was um, hospital admissions and I guess spoke, being spoken about rather than to. And that was the game changer, was someone wanting to find out about me and what it was um, away from an illness. And I really grew in that regard. So where we are now, I believe we are having so many conversations. And even um, with, I guess, humans as a whole, we're all going through something, whether that's diagnosed or not. There are good days for people. There are bad days for people. Um, there are also diagnoses. But you know, we've got Are You Okay Day. We've got times where we reach out. And I think 2020 has really brought that to the surface as well because everybody, whether spoken about or not, we've had a rough day in 2020. And it's kind of bringing that to the surface and kind of getting through it again. So I'd encourage people to keep talking and um, just starting to see the individual behind an illness and, you know, really encourage that because there's growth. Sometimes we feel like we can get stuck in something but bringing, I guess, what works for us and what our assets are to the surface really help people thrive. I think that's a good point. I do think mental health as a phrase has been much bigger in regards to like lockdown and that, that sort of stuff because I think people realise that stuff like exercise is really important, getting out, getting some fresh air is really important towards our mental health. And a lot of people were talking about it when basically the country was in lockdown, so I thought that was really good. But... Now I wanted to yeah. go to the good part of the story and the part you probably love is your recovery. Uh, what aided your recovery and what sort of things did you do to ensure that you recovered from your eating disorder? Uh, I have goosebumps when you ask me now because this is a very exciting part I, uh, where I am now. I could not even imagine and in all honesty, every day and life, it's just I will sit down and just go, wow, I didn't see that happening which is quite ironic because with eating disorders, you needed to control everything and any spontaneity would be like, oh, this is too much. Whereas for me, it's spontaneity is great. You've got your structure, but there is room for magic. And the turning point for me was I got so sick and tired of being sick and tired. Uh, so initially the eating disorder was providing me with a feeling that worked for me. Um, I started to feel great. You know, I'd get into much how dieting can go wrong in eating disorders, you do start something because you feel good. Um, but after 15 years, you're feeling miserable. You've had some really big highs, you've had some really big lows and your body chemistry is completely changing. So all of a sudden, like you've been living through data, so A plus B didn't equal C. Um, you know, I was following these guidelines, but my body chemistry needed a different intake as to what it needed and it was holding on. And this is where I got to really understand that um you know life isn't linear that our bodies do work differently you know some days you require some things other days you don't but that was mind-blowing for me so i couldn't figure out why the eating disorder wasn't working for me anymore and um it was i was rock bottom the girl i am today was completely different to where i was when i was 25 years old i would barely leave the house i was so embarrassed of the person that I was, but caused me to feel that uncomfortable that I was going to make change. And if the eating disorder didn't take my life, it was really something that I had to get my head around. And I'd say recovery may have even been harder than the eating disorder. It is work. So is the eating disorder, but to really keep trying. And again, it wasn't that straight line. So I didn't wake up one day and go, I'm going to recover today. 
must have tried like over 17 times or many times you know you might have two days where you're like this is going great and then you're like no this is not it was this whole waving motion that you had to go through but what i learned was you know everything added to the piece so it was really getting over that black and white thinking and um, getting on that path there and i'm a firm believer of once you make a decision things start to happen and you know that's kind of like i guess even with your podcast and everything you know when things you really inspired on a mission things just start to come together it was kind of like recovery as well so all of a sudden there were these doors that were opening that I couldn't see before um yoga was a really fundamental tool for me and I'm a huge advocate I wasn't somebody that walked into a yoga studio and went this is great you know I'll keep doing this I walked in and I thought this is ridiculous I was used to sports I was used to running so high intensity you know because I was very into that data thing I couldn't be with myself for two minutes in yoga but it was a starting point I walked in and I don't think I walked back into a yoga studio for about two years later but something kind of planted and that really um brought me back a couple of years later where I learned to really sit with myself and learned about my body as a whole so essentially I'd just been running away from myself and here I was um seeing how the body kind of worked and then doors opened to my study um and went down this phenomenal path I studied at Endeavor College up in Brisbane and that was just mind-blowing the depth of nutrition where from somebody that used to see it as very intake versus outtake, I could see this whole, what can food do for you? So it was different things about your amino acids and how that um, helped with your brain function and just different things that you hadn't thought about because I thought health to me was input versus output again, where I didn't realize it was this whole colorful dynamic that we go into. And then um, things just started happening um, from that. I became pregnant um, and I never thought I would have a baby. Um, I actually medically uh, was told that I couldn't have one. So things did start happening. And it was um, just, yeah, coming from that, that it's been on this really, and I do use the word magic. Um, I just could not imagine life. And the way I see it now is completely different. And it was hard. I will not say recovery was something that was easy. It was harder than the eating disorder, but found um, some really good support. And my friends have literally, I use the pun, they've been through uh, with me through thick and thin, Um, Mm. but it was really comfortable out and going through that regard and I really appreciate the life and the path that I've been um, been on now um, as to prior to where I was so there's this really nice level of living and firmly believe that things just really start coming together when um, the recovery process does as well yeah and that's awesome to hear and it's great to hear the the steps you took to or the amount of times you tried to you know to to get out of that sort of run and and really change your life as a whole and change the experience of life that it can offer you um and just just to move now back onto your more onto your career and and it's quite interesting how you've gone uh from one side seeing nutrition as uh, seeing food as one way and then now you're probably looking at a different way um what what, when sorry when was uh the moment that you realized that you wanted to revolve your career around nutrition and and um when did you also decide to start such an incredible instagram page to be uh, an advocate for people with eating disorders it all, this is really, and I'm really glad we're having this conversation too, because I originally um, started study because it was, I guess, knowledge to me to, you know, really get to learn that deeper, knowledge, uh, deeper foundation of to what nutrition was. And um, I never thought I would be where I was. In all honesty, when I started to recover, I didn't want anything to do with eating disorders or, you know, food in general. It was kind of like, 
you know, I've had that part of my life. I just kind of wanted to do this and slide under the radar. But as I started to build up, I'm a firm believer of once you know something, it's time to give back. I believe as humans, you know, we're here to help each other. You know, it's especially, um, you know, working in the field of mental health or something. I see everyone as a whole that, you know, we've got our different gifts that goes in one direction. That um, I started to undertake studies and figured, you know, I can't just keep this for myself. This is something, this is really life changing for me. So really fell into it that way um, of that place of, I guess, you know, once you know something, it's time to give back. And the Instagram was just, you know, a journey of just little things that I am very excitable. And <laughs> I say that openly because, you know, it's like me was in a hospital bed. So now, you know, I kind of go outside and I really appreciate the sun. I appreciate that freedom to walk around and started Instagram as a place of, I guess, this is what your life can be in that regards. And, you know, I'm very open, you know, we all have our bad days and I will publicize that it's quite funny where I am now you know my challenge has never stopped and that's I say openly with eating disorders it's not all peachy cream when you finish uh life will present you with your next life challenges in that regard so I try to keep that really open on my page but essentially um I guess it started for I had some friends in hospital at time um at the time and they didn't realize what could be waiting on the other side and just I try to keep it that positive place um you know that there is life outside of a hospital and outside of eating disorder that we can all aspire to because it was something that I never believed I would get there and in all honesty I didn't have anyone I didn't know anyone that was going through an eating disorder at the time we speak a lot about lived experience now but I feel that I um, came in right at the beginning with that um, where lived experience started to be taught, uh, spoken about, but for me, I didn't have anyone. So I just really wanted to be that person that was open and I, I guess um, normalize the experience. People do go through things and I'm more than happy to share that, hey, this was one part of my life. This is where we are now. We keep rolling with the highs and the lows and just keep that open. So that's where we're at now. Great. And I just wanted to ask a individual question. And I know a lot of people that may suffer with any sort of mental disorder uh, maybe struggling and thinking it's the worst in the world, but do you regret having that eating disorder or would you change it in any way or are you happy that you had it in regards to the person you are today? Lucky, I have goosebumps again when you say that and in all honesty, I would not change a day in my life and I know that sounds, you know, really kind of full on because there were, you know, I spent most of my life um, in hospital, so... Many times I was in ICU, there were medical wards fighting for my life and I wouldn't change that because essentially you had to sit with yourself and I'm a very open character. Um, I guess very, very strong from the journey that I've been through. But if I hadn't, um, I think my level of living wouldn't be where it is now. And as I said to you, like I really appreciate going outside, you know, seeing the sun um, and being a feeling person, I just really enjoy that. And I would not change a day in, uh, day in my life, um, especially the people I work with, some of the most creative, inspiring people I have ever met in my life. But it's listening to their story and um, really meeting them where they're at to go, you know what, like I've been here too. And it's um, just that whole kind of picture that brings it all together that you know, I think our experiences shape us to be the person that we are today. So I've often thought about this as well to go, what if I just didn't have that chapter in my life? Um, I know that it's a real, I am a creative myself. So life is a real spontaneous fun adventure in that regard. But um, I always wondered where it kind of went if I 
you know, hadn't have had that experience and, and um, I wouldn't change it because things pop up all the time and it's just that level of living, which is really great. So yeah, that's, I love that. Wild ride. <laughs> yeah, and it's such a powerful message to people that may be struggling right now. Maybe someone's listening, might be struggling themselves, and it's such a powerful message to show you can get through it and you can get to the other side and you'll be better than ever and you'll live and learn from it and you'll make you a better person as a consequence of it. Yeah, 100%. And it's always keeping the conversations going too. Like I know that, you know, very excitable um, today and you know you've got that kind of baseline there but you know you've always got your friends to check into and I believe that this path if you can really build those foundations with your friends as well they're always going to be there for you and vice versa you just have the best relationships that come out of it as I said um, you know with my family it was that really you know dark kind of time and no one really wanted to speak I guess, to you because they didn't know how to address an illness. It was always about you. But when you recover, it's just your relationships, life in general, just sits in this really nice level that you just wouldn't change at all. So really glad that you've gone through all of it. Yeah, and awesome. And, and now just this question is almost like a, a bow on top of the story of Lexi. Um, but I was going to ask, um, now that you're a nutritionist and obviously you're, you're, you're people will come in to ask for your advice on things. Do you ever find yourself treating anyone with an eating disorder? And how do you sort of, um, do you ever share your life experiences? Or if, if you haven't, like, would you like to have people come into you and, and speak to you about your experiences? Absolutely. And I have been um, in clinic. I just finished up my clinic placement at Endeavor. And um, I just like to make people feel comfortable. And I know in myself, you know, I've spent a lot of time getting to know myself where I'm more than happy to uh, speak from my experience. And that's how I treat as a practitioner as well. Um, I guess it really normalizes the whole experience. You know, sometimes I think when I was going through my journey, I would see professionals and I thought I was quite young, but I think, oh my goodness, everyone's got their life together and here I am, I'm ineffective. But then I got out into society and learned that, you know what, everybody has things going on as well. So as a practitioner, I like to bring that to the table and share my experiences. And, um, you know, I don't have any shame or any stigma behind anything as well, because it was just something that I went through. And um, I hope that inspires and encourages others, because I know in the midst of it, I felt like I was ineffective. I felt like there was something terribly wrong with me. So, yeah, even when I'm practicing, I'll talk about it and, um it is really like it's a lot easier to meet someone where they're at um, because you've gone through that experience and just let them know that they're not the only ones that um, have been going through something. And I think that is with mental health in general, that you feel like you are alone. You feel like you're the only person that's got this, you know, dark shadow that's, you know, working over you. But um, essentially there's a lot of people out there. It's just having that conversation. So that's how I like to treat as a practitioner as well. Yeah, and if I was a patient and someone was trying to tell me something they hadn't had their own journey, I I would probably in the time think, what do you know? You haven't had you haven't had any experience in this. But I guess having that experience would give them such like such a good feeling knowing that you got through it and you were in that same place in a different aspect as that person may be. So I think that's really amazing. Yeah, hundred percent lucky. I always say um, to somebody, you know, because you we can be our worst critics as well. So if I've got someone, some of my patients, I go, I've been there too. I'm just a couple of steps forward of you on the journey, you know, um, you know, we'll catch up, we'll meet each other on there, but this is what life is all about. Yeah. So, 
yeah, it is that lived experience that can really, I guess, bring it back down and um, help to work with somebody. Yeah, and just to, just to ask the last question now is, um, we ask all our guests this question and it's just, uh, if you'd like to give us one tip um, to improve people's health in any, in any way, what would that be? Uh, what, a, what a great question. Um, I think uh, health has to base around your happiness. So it much goes to do even what you guys were talking about with exercise. You know, if you're punishing yourself out there, um, you know, if you're really just, you know, working to something because you think that model's going to work, you're not going to be healthy overall. I think, you know, happiness really shines. So it's getting to that place that you learn to find out what works for you. That can take a lot of experimenting. I know for me, for years, to be where I'm at now, I've experimented with a lot of things. But to me, I guess that overall health is doing what makes you happy. And, you know, sometimes that is like that piece of chocolate cake because that's what your body needs. Whereas I felt like in the past, my thoughts would punish me for that um, because, you know, that was in a mold of healthy, but, you know, it has to do with that whole mind-body connection with that overall picture. So it's finding what makes you happy because you're going to stick at it. You know, if something's enduring, you're going to get sick of it and you're not going to feel great. So it's finding out what works for you and, um, yeah, health and bringing that whole picture together. It's, it's really individual. I love that one. Yeah. <laughs> so to finish off, I just wanted to give you a chance to let the listeners know where they can find you. Oh, absolutely. So I do run an Instagram page um, that just basically it's like the journeys of life. Um, I'll speak openly about eating disorders or what's happening on there um, in that regards. But uh, in regards to health, I'd encourage people to reach out to the Butterfly Foundation. So I do a lot of speaking there for them they're based down in Sydney but they've also got their helpline which is available because eating disorders can strike at any time and sometimes you just need someone to talk to so um, there's their website there to jump on and in Queensland that's where I'm from we've got eating disorders Queensland that also runs um, support groups as well not just for those with eating disorders but also if you've had your lived experience as well and you've got that passion as well to give back um, there's a great peer mentor program where you can actually um, support someone through their journey as well um, by, I guess, doing what we're doing now, talking about lived experience, which has had phenomenal results. But um, individually, I'm always happy to answer DMs. I always make a point of that on Instagram or get back on email. So if you've got something burning, um, yeah, I will get back, whether it's a couple of days or a week. Um, I've kind of made that my journey just to reach out because um, we need that support there. Yeah, and we'll leave your email and your Instagram in the description. And as well, Mateo and I have decided that we're going to start leaving. We From the last few episodes, we left uh, Lifeline. And I think, have we got Butterfly? I think we got Butterfly. Butterfly, like for good. So every episode, if any listener wants those links, they, they have access to that. So thanks again for coming on, Lexi. No, thanks guys for having me. It's an absolute joy. And yeah, thank you for having this podcast that we can hear about everyone's amazing journeys and um, bring that nutrition world to the surface. So yeah, yeah no. great work guys. It's been an absolute privilege. Thank Absolutely. you. Thanks so much for coming on. We'll see you guys next week.